Hello and welcome to this Christian Walk Podcast, the show where no topic is too taboo to empower you on your walk with God. I'm your host Marley B and it is my privilege to welcome you back to the conversation. And on today's conversation, we first want to remind you this, your thoughts matter, okay? Because sometimes we'll downplay our thoughts or sometimes we just allow them to run wild. And we don't know that when we do that, that our life will run wild right with them. So we need to, you know, not run away from our thoughts or let them run away. We have to face them head on and we have to control them. Because the Bible says, so a man thinketh, so is he. And you are your thoughts. And what you're thinking is going to help to mold your life. So this is a show that's going to make you think about the stuff that you're thinking about. I actually invited a teacher, a spiritual teacher actually, Miss Reverend Rosedale, who is going to talk about how she was at a place where her thoughts were, you know, taking her to a place that she didn't like. And she didn't allow them to just continue to run wild. She did something about it. And when she did that, her whole life changed for the better. And she didn't just get this information and keep it herself. She decided to spread it around, make it her business and her ministry. It was a great conversation. So let's get into it right now. Uh, walk with me, talk with me. What you know about God, will he ride with me? Come and open my eyes for me, hear my story. Show me more, what's in store, and what's more. Listen, homie, can you walk? Hello, Reverend Rosedale Jones. Welcome to this Christian Walk Podcast. Hello, Marley. It's good to see you today. Good to see you today, girl. It is good to see you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm excited here because me too. Have, I'm happy to be here. Yes. Well, first of all, let me go. Let me just go ahead and before the people wondering who this is, let me start with some receipts here. Okay. We're gonna start with some receipts. First of all, we have Reverend Rosedale, who is a licensed spiritual practitioner, ordained minister, a life coach, a certified fitness trainer, helping people heal through yoga, cardio, and other body. Uh, body and spirit classes. I mean, you're a busy lady and, and, and people is your business and service is your business. And so I'm excited to have you here because, uh -huh. you know, somebody who has dedi dedicated their lives to making sure every other people feel better in life. That's something that should be celebrated. That's something that should be acknowledged. And that's definitely something that should be featured. So I am excited to have you here and to hear your story, you know? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to get started because we know having this be your life mission, that's just, and, and it, it's a road to getting here. This is this Christian walk. We talk about the spiritual walk of, of people, you know, regular everyday people, you know? People that, you know, a lot of people might not know who you are, but we want to change that because people should know who you are because mm -hmm. um, a healthy spirit is your life, you know, and people out here, we're there's people out here in really a hopeless state. There are people out here who are needing 
what you have, knowing how to live and thrive in a positive space and allowing that positivity to help manifest everything in their lives. And that's Absolutely. your business, right? But that's not something that just came to you from the womb. You didn't just come out like, <laughs> come out like, uh, you know, I have it all figured out. So let me just teach everybody else. There was a road to get here, right? Absolutely. You know, and I think it's important for us, for people to know that this took work. It took work, life work for you to do, do and hard decisions and really in, in discipline. <laughs> you know, it took all of those things. And also um, it took, you know, time. A lot of times we, we live in this microwave society. Oh. We want enlightenment. We want um, this vibrant life. And we want it overnight, but it doesn't happen like that. And so mm -hmm. let's first start with your story, right? I know that you start you you grew up in New York, but tell us what that was like. Did you have like a religious home where you did you have siblings? Oh yeah, I grew up in New York City and between New York City and Florida. But the thing about my uh, upbringing was we were very uh, traditional Baptists. And I didn't quite understand it all, but, and, and it all didn't make sense. But at some point in my life, I felt like this isn't enough. I need to know how this works in my life, especially in 1990s when I got stuck and I was, my money was low. Everything had just come to an end. It seemed like I had nothing. It seemed like everything left. I was riding high, living, well, you know, money to money, everything was great. Then all of a sudden, boom. And it dis I discovered that God needed my hands empty because that's the only way I could really hear. Not only that, the gifts that I was given from that point on were given to me so that I can give it to the world. And all the stuff that I thought was going wrong and wasn't happening for me wasn't so true because I had to have that happen so I know how to handle God's people. And so that's what I believe happens. And so when I got to that point where um, this is what I'll do forever, I knew this before, like when I was a police officer since the 80s and then I came into working with youth and young people and their families. So way back then, even though I didn't I was being called. I was going to say I didn't hear the call. I was being called. I just didn't know where to look. And, and so, so let's let's start with that first life, right? That first life of being a police officer. Did you start being a police officer officer right out of high school, or how how did you get into that line of work? Right, I got into that line of work to get my college paid for, which I did. So they were paying for your education at the time. So once I got my college paid for, I was, I mean, as I was going through, I got my college paid for, but I went through, I'm telling you, by that time, I realized I was a counselor then when I was taking care of people and their families and the kids. And all of a sudden I saw them change because the things that I was doing and, and learning, and I didn't even know I was learning it. So that so whole were thing. You a police officer? Oh, I was, I was a police officer for like six, 15 years. Mm -hmm. 15 years. Yes. So, and during that time and then at what ranks were you like walking a beat or were you, did you go up to detective? 
Mm -hmm. Well, for a little while, I was walking the beat in the very beginning, and then I moved into different departments, you know, then I moved into community policing. So community policing was big because that was really what my calling was to be with those families and those children and the high school kids. And so I had in Queens, all of those, uh, all of those high schools and, and junior high schools. And that was my whole beat, the whole, the whole group of that. And that was, you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but when you're, no, go. when you're, when you're, in the community so what does that look like so do you have to like go to schools or is it like a service where people come to you how how did that work oh i went to schools and i started out in my office which was the youth office and i started out having kids come in every wednesday after school just to talk to them and have a little meeting the meeting had gotten so large that small office couldn't hold all of us so i had to get a high school auditorium to meet with these kids every week. And so we had little things we would say. And one thing was called the uh, uh, the deservability treatment. And so I was reading that to them, but I had no idea how powerful those words were that we were saying, but I saw them change. I felt me change. I knew that something good was happening and I didn't understand why. So, but that all started basically having like affirmations with them, and you're reading them and having them read them. Exactly, and they we read them together like a like a like it was and like it was the pledge of allegiance. Mm -hmm. We would read it together and say it over and over and over. So, if you're saying these words over and over into your mind, you can only go there, Mm -hmm. and that was the most powerful part about scaling, moving up. You know. And when you're dealing with these kids, what kind of issues did you frequently see in these kids? Oh, I saw drugs. I saw robbing people, uh, breaking into homes, stealing from me even. One kid stole my little beeper. We had beepers at the time. One kid stole my beeper, but I knew he did it. But I did it in such a way that he brought it back to me in tears. You know, I saw the ones that that used to do just little mischievous things, they had begun to change. That's the change I mean. Things that that they were doing at first and then all of a sudden began to stop. And then they would come to me and tell me things. So I, I felt like, good, now I got it. I would get the ringleader of gangs and make that person cry, not to intimidate, just to, you know, I just knew that this was a gift I had to get him to really look inside of his heart. And then all of a sudden it would shift him around, you know? So it was a wonderful experience as far as watching people from that time to, to now, you know? Mm-hmm. With gangs and did you ever have any kind of, you know, were you, I mean, you're a police officer. So obviously every day you're, you're putting yourself in a line of, danger right but did you have any like immediate danger while you were working in the community like that working with the kids uh no i i was always taken care of i i say blessed and highly favored i mean that i i didn't have i had some real bad people around but the bad didn't come out of them around me Mm -hmm. if you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and the thing is, when I say that the king, the king, the head of the, the these these gangs that were bad or whatever, 
I, I became friends with them first and their followers followed them to me. And uh, certain things would happen where they'd be a, a, a riot or something like that. And they'd call me over there and then they'd go, hush, hush, here she comes. Because now they know I'm coming. It's me. And it wasn't going to be because I'm bad or whatever. It was because they had this thing about me. They had a respect for me. And it was mutual because I touched their hearts and their spirit. That's where you do it, especially with young people. Get into their hearts and spirits and you have them. It's, just don't do anything to, to abuse them, but, but just get them. And so that was my... It, I don't call it talent, but that was my um, still a gift. Product. It's still a gift. My gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say. Gift. Gift. Mm -hmm. And then, so, and at this point, fifteen years, you were working your way through school, but found this uh, this calling, so to speak, in the middle of it, right? And then, so, what were you going to school for? Oh, I was going to school originally for. Uh, to be a lawyer. So I went to all those schools. I, uh, what, what was my major, uh, my, my degree was in criminal justice science, bachelor of science. That was the first, uh, the first bachelor's in criminal justice. So then that's what I was going for. And, and they paid for it. I graduated in 95 and it was just exciting to be able to get that. And that's what I came there for. Not long after that, I left. And so now then you get to now you're doing this rewarding work, right? And you you found it, you you found this rewarding work. You're in a place where you don't feel like you're in imminent danger, you know, because a lot of people leave the police force because they it's just it's just a dangerous lifestyle, it's a stressful lifestyle, but you found a happy place in it. You right. Know, a, a, it wasn't that dangerous. No. So at what point did it turn for you? What at what point did it did it start to get to this heavy feeling? Oh, when I, when spirit was calling me, where I feel that all that work I was doing with the children, yes, I didn't know where I was leading it to, but it was feeling good. Then I would come in uh, feeling good at home, coming back and watching the drama with different things. And then in uh, the summer of one of those, of 97, I remember Luima was a guy who the police had took him into a bathroom and really plunged him uh, and hurt his insides, all kinds of stuff. And I said, I can't represent this anymore. I can't even tell people I was dead. I wasn't proud of being a police officer anymore. It took the wind out of my sails. So that's why I left abruptly without even thinking about it. I, it's, I said, no, if your heart ain't in it and you're not happy, you gotta go. And I have done that a lot. And that's where, uh, where I said, oh, everything went crazy. I wasn't working and it was, it's just amazing, but I could not work for them. Was that the first time you had, you know, witnessed like police brutality? Cause that, that's basically what you're explaining yeah. what's happening, right? Personally, no, that wasn't the first time I, I did, but that was the most heinous thing on on our watch that I feel it was to me. I mean, oh yeah, I saw, I heard how I, I would be able to go and help people 
um, that was spread eagle on the ground for no reason. And I would talk to them. I got a little annoyed when I would try to help them and then they would come around and bring the family flowers and tell them don't complain. And then when I come there, they say, well, we changed our mind. We don't want to go against the police. And those are things that to me, if you don't want to keep doing something about it and you keep letting them buy you, then they're going to continue doing what they want to do to you. And so those little things, but that didn't bother me as much as that heinous mess that they did to that man. Yeah, so to did, me, he, did he, did he, did he live? He lived. And, the, and another thing is the wife, I saw her in, um, in the paper. And I said, I didn't see this personally, but I knew it, it happened in the 7-2 precinct right in Brooklyn and I'm in Queens. And the wife was so distressed after what they did to her husband. So I said, they took her husband's manhood. That, I, that to me was the worst thing you could do to another human being. So was it like, just like um, a, a traffic stop that went just totally bad? Like what happened? No, they, they were supposed to be at a nightclub or something and everybody was, he, the police were there, but somehow the police escalated it. I noticed that that happens a lot in, in, in black communities. I have to admit that's true. That happens a lot and it escalated. And then they took him into the precinct and they heard that man screaming all the way downstairs in the, you know, like if you're that big building and they heard that man screaming and took for his life and they was plunging him with a stick in his anal anus. That did not sit with me. That was the, to me, that was horrible. And so, yeah, that was a horror. And so I couldn't work anymore. I couldn't come there. I was, it's the, the, everything just fizzled. Yeah. Even, you know, leaving the community and not doing that anymore. I just wasn't feeling that. So that was one thing. And that was a major thing to me. Some people could say, well, I'm staying, I can do it. That's certain things you just know what you cannot represent anymore. And that's that was cold for me. And it's many, it's many jobs or careers that one can do when their heart and mind isn't in it. And I just don't believe police officer is one of them. That, yeah, that no. is just too dangerous of, of a job for you to continue to show up every day and you're not believing in what you're doing. No. And uh I think that's the problem with a lot of people, a lot of police officers right now that's going around uh you know whether they're on the take whether they're you know engaged in some kind of brutality or just something that's just totally illegal and covering up whatever the situation is if they're doing those things a lot of times they don't care about what they're doing they only care about what they're saying they, they're jaded and you know a lot of people need to have a uh, psyche valves that, exactly. are, not. <laughs> that mm -hmm. are not so mm -hmm. I get that. So when you when you made the decision, you just up and was just like, okay, I quit. How did that go? Here's the gun. Here's the badge. That was all it was. One day I just got up. Here you go. Done. Wow. And it and wasn't then, like I had somewhere to go. I just had to leave there. And so you it's, didn't think, okay, well, maybe I'll go and use my degree or finish my degree. You just wanted nothing to do with the law. Right. None of that, because I, it was like looking through the and all the things I saw happen where people, certain people would go to jail and certain wouldn't. But if you had the right 
people. You was not going to go to jail. If you didn't, you know, they're going to put you because they need people to work for free. They need slaves. Um, really? Kid you not. I mean, it's it's not what you think, what people would automatically think it is. They have to have free labor. So it's very easy to put them in there. The ones that don't have the money or can't afford their way out because now we got them and we're going to make them, you know, that's a whole new and then in, in what is it called indentured uh population yeah. those people you know what yeah. i mean so that's a whole new different set of people that they've cha- trained to come and do their little dirty work wow and then so after you quit and then you're just like okay I, i'm not doing this anymore so how long did you and then what was life like then so did you just kind of be still and what what was life like for you then um everything was good for about a year then I had to be still, meaning that I started trying to figure out. Well, I remember one night saying to myself, and that's when the train started moving. I said, I need to find my higher self. I used to get up in the middle of the night, walk that apartment from the bedroom back and forth. And one day I just yelled out, I just want to find my higher self. And did you know what that meant at that moment? My higher self. All I knew is I meant, all I knew is I needed out of that lifestyle, that belief, whatever it was that I wasn't understanding. I needed to know more about God, the God in me. And it, then that's when it all started coming to me, you know, from that point on felt you needed to go. And I, I like the fact that you um, mentioned that you have been in church pretty much your whole life and didn't right. understand that. I think that so many people can, because, and then at this point, how old were you when you were leaving? I want to say about 35, seven, something like right. that. Still don't have, know. It, right. And it's so many people sitting up in church going faithfully and don't really know what it's about. No. And it, you know, that's something that, you know, I feel very strongly about because I know it was the same thing for me. Like I went to church for years. I was one of those people who gotta go to church, gotta go to church. My life yeah. is not right unless I go to church. My you know, yeah. you, you knew that. And you you knew that, you know, it was a little bit better for you that week or whatever the situation was when you went versus when you didn't go. And mm-hmm. you felt yourself, you know, a little bit more lost when you are a little bit more disconnected. But you, when you're going, you're still missing it. We're there in the ritual of things, but not really for relationship. Yeah, you don't understand your relationship in the yeah. whole scheme of all of that. And then so when you find out, OK, I need to get to this higher place, what do you do to, to achieve that? Oh, a lot. Oh, a lot. What's the first thing you do to achieve that, I should say? The first thing that I do to achieve that is pray. And from there, I listen. I still, oh, and here's the deal. I had been making, you remember, I don't know, back in the day, we had cassettes tapes that we used to make. And I would go to the store and make them for those kids in in the communities I was serving at the time and make them to sit down when they go home and listen to it. And I would say things into it, 
and you know make them calm and relax and all that stuff that's another piece that i forgot a little bit but i can't forget it for too long but they were playing those but i was playing those for me too because i had to proofread them to make sure it sound good and it made sense and i would put myself in it and listen but i didn't call it meditation i just called it relaxing and now and then what happened was it became more of me and it just made me stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger so that's the first thing i must say sitting 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 when you said where did you sit how did i sat for many days like that and then all of a sudden i listened to the certain things that would tell me you know you need to give so-and-so a call or you need to do this oh it's time for you to leave new york now and i said what no yes it is so then I left, you know, so that's what happened. Then once I left New York, see that one day, how do I find my higher self? Went to a couple of weeks, months, and maybe another year of hanging out there until I said, you need to leave New York. No, where, where I'm going? You know, went all the way out to California to join my oldest daughter who was in the Navy at the time. And that's where spirituality came in. So I was following the lead that spirit was giving me to go. Even though I couldn't see it, I still had the faith that this is good for me. Scared, but this is good for me. (laughs) It's scary when you get that nudge and it's like, and you know, and I know that feeling of talking back to it like, what? Yeah, like, what do you mean? No, this (laughs) can't be right. You know, this right. That don't make sense. Like that's right. That's right. right. <laughs> but that's you know, and it's telling you, me that's why you sit still so you can yeah, hear me. Because all the best stuff is on the other side of the stuff that we're scared of. Mm-hmm. I found that out too. And so when you go to LA, how now at this point, have you been to LA before? Oh, San Diego. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, San Diego. Uh, no, not really. I hadn't been to San Diego. But I started um, milling around and found this one place. Um, wow. I was coming back to a funeral with a friend of mine. We drove back to the East Coast to Florida because my uncle died. Mm-hmm. And so when we got there, I stayed with another friend while my other friend went to Macon, Georgia to stay with her family while I stayed in Florida with mine for the three weeks. And that whole time I was watching Joyce Maya, Creflo Dollar, and all of these regular traditional ministers mm-hmm. and all that. But I was seeking, I was listening, I was trying to see what is my message. That's all I would watch for some reason. Didn't want to watch nothing else. Oh, she, she comes, here she comes, here he comes. I was really watching it. So then as we were traveling back across country and somewhere in Arizona at 10 o'clock at night, uh, a radio station said, if you're struggling with your life and you're not, come to church for today. And I said, what? So I knew it was, that message was for me. So I said, go back there, Gina, go back to that, to that, to that. Uh, she said, I don't know what that station was. So she couldn't get to the station and she kept plugging around in it. And I said, but it had to be. She said, it's that one. I said, a jazz station? No, jazz. No, can't be. That's not where it was. She said, I wasn't on nothing else. I was on this for real. 
okay. So I got, I said, all right, I'm gonna call that station tomorrow. So I called that station the next day and someone said, no, I don't think we've talked about a church. I don't think so. Call the and station. So, yeah, call the station now. And, and, and that person said, no, I don't think so. And then I kept, and there was a song called uh, by Kirk Franklin that I've listened to all the time, talking about down by the riverside, down by. And I would just listen to that song and I was walking around cleaning and listening to it. Then all of a sudden the voice said, call that radio station again. I said, I called them, you know, come on now. This is, this is how I would, how I communicate with myself. I know it's gotta be spirit trying to call me, but I, even though I thought it was ridiculous, even though I think it's ridiculous now, I still do what I'm told. So I called and sure enough, a lady got on, she said, I don't think so. And then she said, but wait a second, let me just check something out. So she was gone a long time. She said, yeah, you said it was 10 o'clock at night and it was, uh, she said, yeah, we did. We had a, a thing called from a unity community, a unity, a community, a unity church. It said, uh, yeah, she said, yeah, here's the phone number. Okay, got the phone number to that church, called it. And the first thing I wanted to know is, do you believe in Jesus? Because that's where I was at the time. I, that's all I knew. So she said, yes, we do. I said, good, what, what are your service hours? That's all you had to do was tell me that, and I was good. So I went in there, and all of a sudden, when I went that first Sunday, it was so much light in there. I just felt like I was walking through a tunnel of light. Just, it was bright. Not anybody else would probably didn't see all that light. I know this was the place to be. I heard what was being said. She spoke into my spirit. I started taking classes and never looked back. That's when I began to understand spirituality. That's when I really began to understand this is what God is doing for me, getting to my, getting to my soul, getting into me. And uh, now I know that you said that um, you were not only in a in a um, very uh, bad place as far as spiritually, mentally, but also physically. And was that during this time when you were having those 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 physical ailments as well? Oh yeah, because that's when the blood pressure was starting to show up and things like that. Everything started to show up. And then at what point did that start changing? Did every did everything like start changing? Five years later, five or six late years later, when I started to understand more and work with their practitioners and work with the people there and all of that stuff. When I began to really understand what it was really all about, there was a woman that would let me come meet with her all the time. And that's when I began to learn. And like a couple of years later, I started learning that you can heal yourself. You just have to learn where to go with it, how to do it and how to listen. And the listening part is the most crucial part because it doesn't make sense. But anytime something doesn't make sense, I know it's God. Because <laughs> God is not, he's, he is outside. His ways are outside, are not our ways. His thoughts mm-hmm. are not our, our thoughts. And mm-hmm. once we wrap our mind around, we're not going to figure everything out about oh. God. 
No, you but never will. You cannot. You can't. Right. That's but we right. still have to get to a point where we trust him. Exactly. When, when did you, at what point did you know, like, I can trust this, even though I can't figure it out? Oh, my goodness. I think from the very beginning, I trusted it. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe it yet. It's when I believed it is when it's, things started happening. Mm-hmm. So I trusted it all along, but believing it was a whole new story because now once I believed it, it's over. There's nothing nobody could tell me now. You can't tell me that we ain't coming out of this because we're coming out big. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was, that, you know, I know, you know, so. And you know, that is huge because our confidence in God's ability to do what it is that we want is crucial. We go in and we ask, we pray, but we don't really put our belief on it. And anything that God is going to give us, we're going to have to pay for it with faith. That's right. It is a charge faith. of faith. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think and that is a huge revelation. Mm-hmm. So at what point, so at this point, you know, you you got on that journey of doing what you needed to do for yourself. And right. I healed point. me first. Right. And then suddenly it needed it. I was told that people needed when a woman came up to me in my in the church I was studying in to be a minister. And she came over to me and said, I want you to counsel me. And I was like, really? <laughs> you really want me? And sure enough, that's when it all happened. I didn't I didn't make any um you know how you prepare and write up things this is what I'm going to do. I never do that anymore. Never. I just speak to her and I let spirit do all the talking. And I don't ask I ask the questions and the person gives me their answers. I get I help people get insight to what they need and that's what it's all about. Insight and transformation and that is exactly what comes out of my counseling sessions now. The conversations that we have, it's not necessarily to call it counseling, but if that's what somebody needs to hear a word, then I'll tell you, I'll tell you it's that, but it isn't. It's you coming to your insight and I let spirit ask, tell me what questions to ask. So is and, that you basically essentially saying, this is me coaching you through this, because is that the difference between a counselor and a life coach? Because you have some people who just do not believe. I don't like, think there's a difference. They will not go the counseling route at all, whether it's therapy, whether it is psychiatry, whether it is just a certified counselor. They don't believe in it. They will not try it. And I just feel like in this age of mental health being, it's on the forefront, but it it been something that should have been a priority, right? But yeah. we understand we can go you know, all day talking about what should have happened, but at the point, at, now is the time to just go ahead and say what needs to be done and what's available out there. Because right. my thing is, if you don't want to seek a, a traditional or the standard um, or the typical counseling session, there is an alternative and that's mm-hmm. what you offer, right? That's right. And, and, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I feel like you know, people need to know that these alternatives are available. But just to be, you know, totally transparent, especially when you're talking about people of faith, they mm-hmm. have they have different doubts about 
going to someone who would even use the term spiritual. If you're not going all the way with, you know, straight out from the Bible all the time, they just, you'll have people that flat out deem it as the devil. And you'll have some people just say, okay, that's witchcraft. And what would you say to those people who, you know, would consider your services something that would be against God? When I would, that's right. I tell them to go do your research. First and foremost, do your research because a lot of people think they don't need help, but yet still they're sinking. And, 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 you know, they think it's taboo to have to get someone to help you and talk to you. You should be able to know for yourself. No, there's people that, that, that are definitely God ordained and know they're God ordained and ready to help you. But a lot of people just believe that, no, it's not traditional. It's not what everybody else does. And sometimes you don't need what everybody else does. You know, sometimes you need something more for yourself. And that's the biggest thing with most people. I believe that they feel that that's not what I'm used to doing. So they'll die with the music in them. And Unless I like how you went in there and was like, you know, is Jesus in there? Because you, know, right. can, you have people that will say God all day, but they want to leave Jesus out. And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, any conversation about faith that leaves Jesus out, is not a conversation worth having. Exactly. You know, this is That's the Christian right. walk. We are rocking with Jesus here. And that is just that how is I feel right. about it. Mm-hmm. And so, and you, right. you know. I feel that, um, you know, I, I like that you are saying that because when you hear about people, because, you know, I I love uh, me some E.L. Levine's out, right? That's my girl. I know she is like a new thought teacher, right? But I also believe she is um, definitely rooted in the Bible and, 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 and that she has a relationship with Jesus. I really believe that. But you have people that will just say, uh, you know, no, she don't. She's a new thought teacher. And anything new, people, people yeah, they just don't and, want and, to do it. And you know what? The sad part about it is you got to go new anyway because the old is not working. And see, and this is what it is. They have to get used to the fact that I've got to change. Because if you think the old brain is going to help your life to heal, the old brain cannot heal that life. A new brain has to do it. So you have to learn some new stuff in order to move on. Change is inevitable, but you can't change in the same old mind. You know? And so that is so key. Yeah. So key. And so that's right mm-hmm. that's definitely um the way so you know when you think about meditation tell me what you you know how how can how can meditation be something that is essential to living your best life oh my god if people do not sit and still they will never hear what they need to hear or never do what they need to do. The every day with the rat race, constant going, going, oh, I'm listening to the music. I'm listening to God's music. I'm doing this. I'm going to listen to the talk. I'm going to listen to the word. Hey, what about you sitting still? Because that's where your answers come. Meditation is to clear your time, clear some space on your calendar for me. 
And that me is that God within you that's connected to God with every with everywhere. Because there's no spot that God is not. And so wherever the connection is, you will be able, let's say a person is looking to better their relationship, they will go to the to the right places, talk to the right people. Say they're looking for a new home. They will go talk to the right people and the right people will line up with them. It, this, this world is 100% spiritual, but people think that all I gotta do is read and I don't have to do nothing else. Or all I gotta do is pray. No, treat and move your feet. And that's what people think that'll do. Now you have to sit down and contemplate, you have to sit down and, and really go into what you're thinking. How was I today? Who can I forgive? What, how can I forgive me? You have to take that time and reflect. Meditation is all about reflection. People think you have to sit there and close your eyes and mm, it, you know, you've got to get the right teacher to learn what meditation is all about. Meditation heals. Meditation also creates uh, the place for you to go to do the things you need to do. And it lets you know, it helps you to trust that instinct that's coming from you. So you know you had that time with yourself. It's just this confidence that comes over you. I got to leave New York now. I've been doing it, but I didn't call it meditation, but I had been doing it. And I know it was because I'm sitting there and then write down, jot down, journaling about some of the things that I'm thinking about, what's going on in my mind. This is what's happening to me. And then you start to see that you are really peeling the skins of the onion back to get inside there. That little piece, that little small piece of you is covered with so many memories, so much stuff, but let it go is in doing it in meditation. Meditation is the most powerful tool that we have if we have ever want to really change this world and change ourselves. You know, it is the most, you know. It's basically the, so meditation seems to be pretty much like the, 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 the twin brother to prayer. So, cause it's like, cause I feel like it's two different things or is it, well, or to me, it or is, is it one two of the different same? things. It is two different things and you get two different things from it. Meditation is not the prayer. The meditation is where you listen. The prayer is where you make the, 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 the demands, if you will. And when you do the meditation, you listen. I'm talking, now you stop talking and you listen. So meditation is about listening. So they are two different things and they must be both use. Or I've heard that before, point? like we, we take time to talk to God, but we don't take a, uh, enough time to, to hear back from him. That's and right. That's what meditation is about. Mm -hmm. You're listening, sitting, reflecting, listening. Mm -hmm. And it's so valuable, way valuable. Hmm. You know? And then, so now you help people and, and you know, you, you help people teach because this is a skill. Meditation is a skill. It is oh, not something you can just say, okay, let's go ahead and start. I'm just going to go and be quiet. Right. No, mm -mm. you got to have <laughs> right, somebody you that's going to be quiet. <laughs> that's right. Lead me, help me, let me understand this. You got to have somebody that's going to lead you that know what they're doing and that knows God. Right. And so, the, and that's when we get into, you know, your services, right? So we know that you can help with 
the um, coaching with the, the meditation? What other services would somebody come in? Well, first, let's let's talk about a, a, a good time when a person should seek out your services. When is that? When At what oh time? Because sometimes God. people don't always know when yeah. is a good time to do it. So when would you say, based off of your expertise? When a person, just plain and simple, when you're stuck and don't know what else to do and you don't know where to go. Because what happens is, one thing you do is listen, sit down and have a conversation. You get your own insight from that conversation, but you don't get that. You don't, no one affords you that because you're not listening to questions of someone else. It's just based on uh, you and, and me sitting down and talking about that. But, but, but if you need to know when you need to go to someone is when you're stuck and you don't know what else to do. And you've done, even if you don't even wait till you don't know what else to do, because sometimes that's too late. If you're feeling stuck right now, you don't know what to do. You need to transform change. And that's what, what I say, I can help with that. You know, they deserve to feel a higher emotional, higher on the emotional scale than they, than they have been. That emotional scale is so important because that's your connection to God. So other than that, people become mentally drained and mental health is starting to become a major downfall as well for most people. Absolutely. And they don't really realize that. People say, I'm suffering from, from, from um, uh, depression, but do you, okay, you hear someone tell you that you're suffering from depression, you're gonna keep taking the medication and, and the medication is not it's making you feel worse? Hmm, hmm. That's a bit much, you know, it, 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 it's when the person feels stuck and they don't know what else to do mm-hmm. and they've tried so many different things, it's time to come to someone who, who you know or who you just go to somebody who you can think you can talk to because right. it, it's, it's not, it's not, um, you know, it's just not the old stuff that, that people have been used to doing. And so you said what well, a person feels stuck. So just to get specific on what areas of a person's life you can assist with, right? Every I mean, area. So Every I mean, just to, so whether it's you're feeling stuck in your career, whether you're feeling stuck and spiritual, health. Uh-huh, right? Uh huh. Health, relationship, marriage, uh, wanting to get married, wanting to change your ways so you can attract that person. There is nothing that we can't we can't do together when that person and I sit in front of each other knee to knee. Well, it's not really knee to knee because it's really on Zoom. But right. basically, it's really that's what is really good. So I can give some examples of some of the people, like some this one lady. Um, three people I know went into remission from cancer. But it's not just they're going to get in, go into remission from cancer from a conversation. They have work to do. They have to start to do some of that work to, and to, to, get in, to get it in themselves. Then there's another person who was supposed to have knee surgery on both knees. And because she changed her mind, her body changed. That's why it's called, my company is called the Mind Body Spirit Center. Because you got to use all three of them in order to heal. You got to put them all together. It's all one package. It's not just my health. It's my, it's my spirit. It's my mind. 
it's my body. And so, and, and sometimes I use, that's sometimes I use yoga for some healing. And that's where maybe the person with the um, the knee surgery comes in at, because the doctor will tell you, oh yeah, you're bone, you're bone on bone. And people don't know what that means. They go, oh really? Okay, I gotta go get the surgery. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. That just means that those synovial fluids are not rolling around in you. That's just, you know, I'm going too, too, too much explaining that. But basically it's a lot of things that people uh, are missing that they need to get to. So it's best to come and talk to someone else. Then we have another person who six weeks later from the time I start speaking to her, who were, who first of all, she had, she wanted to lose weight. I said, but before you lose weight, we gotta get that mind in the game. Getting that mind right first, we can talk about that. Six weeks later, the first thing she can remember doing is, wow, I have a better, I have better eating control. I'm, I'm, I'm more under control now. That's the first step. The next step is once you get under control, you'll see the right things to eat. You don't diet, you just, know what's right yeah style changing habits and Mm -hmm. then the insights the insights oh my god those insights are powerful you know so these are different things that that come about that really really work i haven't worked with anybody who have not transformed and received change not a soul and some people i will fire and say i won't work with you especially if that belief level is there is not there and you just saying well i don't know okay but i'm not the one you need to talk to yes somebody long have you been doing this work now over 20 years and yeah. how many people would you say you've helped oh man i want to say hundreds mm-hmm. uh-huh and it's be and it's been years of fun for, and and seeing it is exciting you know and, and and you know another thing is people when we're together learn authenticity. We are we are definitely in deep authenticity, meaning we're real. You 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 see a person can't come to me unless they're real or they're not coming. <laughs> because I can, you know, as I'm as we're talking, we'll be able to you know say that, okay, this is not you know, because you're not going to be real. So authenticity is a must. So two things, the person can't, don't know what to do. They feel stuck, but they want help and they're authentic and vulnerable, ready to talk, ready to actually talk. And now we got success, if you will. And then, so now because of Zoom, because of technology, you're able to help people with these classes um you can help people internationally pretty much right i do i have people in california i have people in new mexico i have people in mexico i have people in colorado and texas you know so it doesn't matter anymore we don't have to be local if you will and say i'm gonna go to your office it's nope it's right there so transformation and insight together excites me that's what i like to say (laughs) and if somebody wanted to reach out for to you for your services how can they contact you oh let me put my um in chat um i'll put my uh, you gotta say it 
because for the, oh. for the people that they the people who watching not gonna be able to oh, not gonna be able oh, to see yes, got you. it's okay mbs is www.mbs.info <laughs> i was putting it in there for you too so oh, you yeah. can read it out read it out to them but yes it's mbs.info mm -hmm. okay and oh, so man. there you the can mbs Excuse me, I, I tried to, to, to say that. Go um, for it. MBSC, Mind, Body, Spirit Center, MBSC.info. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> .info, yes, you have it here. You have it here. Well, <laughs> I know that is, well, thank you so much for being here, Reverend Rosedale. I am super proud of the fact that you, you know, you are building this business and you are doing it too with the sole purpose of building God's people and letting people know not only who they are, but who they are and healing people's mind, body, and spirit in the process of doing that. It is definitely commendable work. It is respectable work. And, you know, I appreciate your passion and I respect your purpose on this earth. Mm, thank you, Marley. And thank you for having me. It's been wonderful to be here. And thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, so I'm... I'm... Thank you so much to my guest, Reverend Rosedale, for coming on to the show and sharing your story of faith, your walk of faith with us. If this conversation spoke to you, please like it, please share it, and definitely please subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And also, I want to remind everybody, you can also listen to our shows, past um, and future, on iHeartRadio, as well as Apple Podcasts. Well, thank you so much for joining this conversation. I think if we had to pick just a few nuggets to take away... Number one would be, be confident, right? This is about confidence. When we go out and we take control of our thoughts and we get closer with God, it helps to build our confidence so that we can step boldly into everything that he has for us. Because when we let our thoughts take us or even um, shame and guilt from our past mis mistakes, if we allow those things to just continue to keep us going in a downward spiral or to just stay stagnant and stuck none of those things are good but we have to remember that when we want something for god we can ask for it all day but at the end of the day it's going to take action so whether you do that action yourself in prayer and in reading your word or in you know just seeking out all kinds of ways to Expand your knowledge about God so that you can expand your, your knowledge about his purpose for your life. Whether you're doing it that way or if you feel like you need help from people like um, uh, Reverend Rosedale or other spiritual teachers that are available out there to help you strengthen those muscles that's going to help you walk in confidence, mind, body, and soul. And one thing I know on this walk with God, loving God can be easy. Trusting God can be hard, but I believe we can all get there one step at a time on this Christian walk. I'll see you next time. Uh, walk with me, talk with me. What you know about God? Will he ride with me? Coming over my eyes.
much more Listen homie, can you walk with me, talk with me What you know about God, will he ride with me Come and open my eyes for me, hear my story Show me more, what's in store, and once more Listen homie, can you walk, uh, can you walk Let's walk